Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wunch Time, your biweekly podcast for bivocational and busy pastors. My name is Hans Wunch, and I'm so glad you're here today. Hey, happy Pastor Appreciation Month. Happy, I don't know, I guess joyful Pastor Appreciation Month. I, I hope, Pastor, you've felt appreciated, and if not, I hope by the end of our time today that you will. So allow me to go ahead and pray for us and we'll get started. Father, I do thank you for our pastors. I thank you for uh, folks all over the United States, all over the world that are your under shepherds for your local church body. Uh, That which you came to save, you came to save the church. And so we are grateful. We're grateful for being used by you. We're grateful for your love and for your grace And we pray that you would help us uh, to faithfully serve you day in and day out uh, in all areas of ministry and life. For it's in your name, Jesus, we humbly pray. Amen. And also, just a couple of quick things. Just want to remind you of the email address. If you'd like to email us at the podcast, it's Hans, H-A-N is a nice, S at onechtime.com. And would love to get your questions, uh, your feedback, your ideas. And if you like the show, I would love for you to like and subscribe it. Um, Maybe even give us a five-star review. Um, Would love all those things because uh, we truly appreciate you and we do this for you. And if we're not doing it for you, then um, we just... We, we, we cease to be useful, and that's what we desire to be. We, we want to be encouraging. We want to be useful. We want to be helpful to you and your ministry. So I need to know that if we're not being just that. So glad you're here. Glad that I uh, hope you're having a good Pastor Appreciation Month because um, I do appreciate you. And I know many of your parishioners, uh, church members appreciate you as well, and um, I just, man, I just, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for our pastors. I'm grateful for, for the day in, day out, uh, sermon prep. I'm grateful for the day in, day out, uh, being there for your church family. And, uh, I pray for you guys, uh, day in and day out to be there for your family. Um, and so we appreciate, I hope you've, you've been shown some sort of appreciation, uh, this month. And if not, I'm sorry. Um, but I want you to hear it from me because I do appreciate you. And I know how difficult, uh, this and and rewarding and and so many other things, this calling can be in your life. And so, uh, I want to, I want to thank you for, for being used by God. Well, I want to, uh, also encourage you, uh, in another way today. And that is, um, it, it, I want to encourage you from Matthew chapter nine, um, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples, and he says to them that uh, in Matthew uh, chapter twenty or chapter nine, verses thirty seven and thirty eight. He then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." You know, I don't know about you, but where I live this time of year, it's hard to escape the fact that it, the harvest time is upon us. Uh, crops are being picked uh, even today. There's a deadline for a local farmer. If his crop doesn't come out of the field soon, it will likely spoil. Uh, 
I have no doubt many local farmers wish they had more help, especially in years when the harvest is abundant. And for nearly 2,000 years, the Lord has been calling more and more laborers into the work because new crops are ripening every day. And this is wonderful, but it's also labor-intensive. And, and I'm not aware of a time when there were more laborers in the gospel field than there were people who needed to hear the gospel. But if there ever was such a time, this ain't it. Laborers are desperately needed. Consider the stat that I heard just last week, that in 2019, 90% of the citizens of Georgia did not attend church, not one time. 70%, 7 out of 10 Georgians in the heart of the Bible Belt did not go to church one time in a 365-day period. Now, some of you may know that on a given Sunday, 80% of Georgians don't attend church. But this stat says that most of that 80% never goes, not at all. And listen, all you have to do to be numbered in the 70% is to go one time. Go Easter, go Christmas, and you're part of the 30%. That's the problem. What's the solution? I believe we should flank it on all sides. If we are to be successful, we will need participation from all churches of all sizes. This is not a small church problem. This is not a medium church problem. This is not a large church problem. This is a church problem. And Jesus has a plan to address it. And he always has. The first thing he says is pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. God knows who the laborers are. So Jesus tells us to pray to the Lord. Often we have this uh, checklist of positions within our own congregations, and, and we fill that list and we're staffed, right? It might come from the nominating committee or some other things. And if we just get somebody for every one of those jobs, then we're staffed. May I suggest to you, you might not be. Who will take over in this position when that person is no longer willing or able? Praying not only for this year's volunteers, but the future volunteers as well. You know, your prayers don't have an expiration date. So you can go ahead and pray for next year's volunteers, and five years from now, and ten years from now. Praying not only for this year's volunteers, but the future volunteers um, helps you. And I, and, and, I, and I beg you to resist the temptation just to fill the list and ask the Lord to bless it. I, I hope and pray most of you aren't doing that like I've done in the past. Instead, ask the Lord who should go into each position and then ask them as the Lord prompts. But it's not just praying about positions within your congregation. Laborers are needed everywhere. It's not just you that needs laborers. It's not just your field where they need Everywhere, in cities, in smaller communities, on the international field, in the, on the reservations, in government, in schools, including higher education. God is not ignorant to all these needs. And he's calling on us to pray about them. Knowing that he's the only one that can effectively fill those needs. So we pray, and then we raise up. It, it warms my heart, and, I, and I'm... Certainly that it does to you as well when we see churches that have children and students serving in various areas of ministry. 
knowing that these are opportunities where they, they see that ministry is not a one-way street. What better environment can a young person learn to serve the church than one where the people know and love him and her, or her? Again, these opportunities are not just inside the congregation. Many young people get their first mission experience or in uh, student or next-gen ministry. They begin to see the value of taking the gospel everywhere and around the world, being down the street or, or somewhere else, some, some other state, some other country. Knowing that there are more fields that need harvesting is an eye-opener for many students. Sometimes God uses those opportunities to help students hear his calling in their lives. I know because it happened to me. We also raise up adults. Giving members opportunities to serve the church in a multitude of ways helps people grow in their walk with Christ. Having people who are established in roles within the congregation share the responsibility with someone else allows both to run the race with endurance that Paul told us about. In fact, sometimes these opportunities look a lot like discipleship. And then we call out. Not only do we pray for, not only do we raise up, we call out. I have no doubt that there are laborers that God desires in ministry work of some kind who simply do not know how to get involved. We just, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm just talking for Hans, okay? There were times in ministry when I just assumed that everybody knew how to get involved in church stuff because it was in the bulletin or I talked about it or this, that, or the other. I just assumed that they understood what all these different things meant and come to find out they don't. Maybe they haven't been challenged to go. This might look like an invitation at the end of a service where the pastor says, hey, God may be calling someone here into a ministry role. If you think he is or you're uncertain and you'd like to talk about it, then I'd love to talk with you about it. Or, Pastor, sometimes you know when God's working in somebody's life, right? And it might just look like, hey, have you ever thought about blank? Can I pray with you about that? And then send out. This may be the most difficult part of this process. Sometimes we send out for short periods of times, and we know that one day those individuals that we've discipled prayed for, invested in, will probably come back. But sometimes we send them out because God is leading them to another ministry. And to me, this looks a lot like the Antioch model. Antioch is the church in Acts where Paul and Barnabas come out of, right? God sends them, he has the church set them aside and then sends them onto the mission field. But you know, Antioch wasn't the only church that Barnabas was a part of. He was also a part of the church at Jerusalem. That's where the idea that he was an encourager came from. I don't know about you, but I used to think as Paul is the great missionary and Barnabas kind of like his encouraging sidekick, kind of like Batman and Robin. But just because we don't have letters from Barnabas to churches doesn't mean that he was any less of a missionary than Paul. Regardless of that, both of them were sent out by Antioch and started missionary work that did not require persecution to launch. What do I mean by that? Well, you look at the book of Acts, 
And you see the church in Jerusalem gets persecuted, and they launch people into the world because of persecution. Um, people are, are running from, fleeing from persecution. And that's kind of how they got into Samaria and into Judea and to the rest of the world. Well, now Paul and Barnabas are going out, and it's not because of persecution. It's because God has called me out. So, but here's the thing. The church at Antioch was glad to send them out. They prayed for them and likely supported their ministry. Now, if this isn't you, then ignore what I'm about to say, but I get to see a number of churches, and I don't often see this response in our churches today. Or I don't see it with the membership. I might see it with the pastors, might see it with staff people who get it, but I don't know that we always see this within the congregation. And maybe this is an area we can all grow. Because I get it. Like We spend all this time investing in and discipling and training and all these other things, and then the person goes to another church or the family goes to another church and we feel like all that time and energy is wasted. And it's not. It's not because you're sending them into a lost and dying world, into another field to labor somewhere else. And that's important. And then repeat. Just like your walk with Jesus is an ongoing process, you never have enough. You never have enough laborers in the field. You're, you're constantly recruiting laborers. People are always leaving for one reason or another. I think about churches in military or university com communities where turnover is so regular, it's just baked in. It's, it's part of the congregation. In one way, I'm sure the constantly having people uh, go off to another duty station or graduating or moving schools or just moving out of town makes discipleship and staffing difficult. At, at the same time, because it's such a part of their environment, it's refreshing to see people that you've had the pleasure of discipling all over the world continuing the work of spreading the gospel. Just in case you were not aware there are many churches all over the United States that are struggling with staffing. And that includes Southwest Georgia, where we live, where I live. Maybe not you, but where I live. And this problem didn't happen overnight. And we're not going to fix it overnight. As ministry continues to shift throughout our community and our nation, we can either be proactive in prayer to the Lord, well, we can be reactive, which often leads to desperation. God has instituted the church to take care of these needs. Our desire in the coming months is to help you do these things. To pray, to raise up, to call out, to send out. That's why we, we do what we do. That's why we have this podcast. That's why we do the training event in January. Is I hope and pray it serves you. Because see, I just don't believe one local church body can do everything. Didn't look like that way in, in the book of Acts. And I still don't think it looks that way.
But the global church, as one under the power of Christ, can do all he desires for us to do. Hey, everybody, as you very well know, I am the director of missions for the Mallory Baptist Association, and we have a great scholarship fund that was started uh, not all that long ago that helps out uh, people who are called to ministry out of our association in southwest Georgia. And if you're a part of southwest Georgia, or maybe even if you're not, and you would like to give to that to help see our folks be able to have that opportunity uh, to extend their education through a ministry uh, degree at uh, one of the wonderful Christian schools around the United States. Uh, we would be very grateful for that. And the way you can do that is to go on the Mallory.org website. That's M-A-L-L-A-R-Y, not O-R-Y, but A-R-Y.org. Mallory.org, go to the Give tab, and then you can choose the scholarship. You can give directly to the scholarship on that Give tab. And, and $5, $10, $500, $5,000, whatever, um, we would be very grateful. Um, we can see we already have a number of students at different seminaries and Christian colleges out of our association right now that are feel called to ministry. And, man, it would be wonderful if we could give all of them a little something to say. We're praying for them. We're encouraging them. Um, when I was a student in college, I was a part of a scholarship program that the South Carolina Baptist had because that's where I lived at the time. And I've, I've always remembered that. I've always remembered the investment that South Carolina Baptist put in me. And it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. It was enough for me to remember that they appreciated the fact that God had called me in the ministry. So if that's something you'd like to be a part of, we'd love to have you do that. And so I want to encourage you in that. And then I want to take the rest of this time today to talk about uh, how much I appreciate pastors and more specifically, how much I appreciate specific pastors, pastors that have impacted my life and impacted my ministry. And I'm probably not going to hit them all. But I especially want to hit those that were in my most formative years. So the first one I want to mention is Reverend David McLaurin. Uh, Reverend David McLaurin was the pastor at my home church uh, in just outside of Irmo, South Carolina, Dutch Fort Baptist Church. And one Sunday morning, he got up and we had the Lord's Supper and he said that People that weren't Christians, didn't already have a relationship with Christ, should not partake of the Lord's Supper because the Bible warned against that. And I didn't quite understand why I couldn't have that little piece of cracker and that little cup of juice. But following that worship service, I had the opportunity to go and talk with him. And that afternoon is when I understood the gospel to the point where I trusted that Christ is my Savior, and I placed my faith in him. And so I'm very grateful for Pastor David McLaurin. Um, he, he allowed me to start walking with the Lord. And then my next pastor 
at that Dutch Fort Baptist Church is a guy by the name of Danny Hedgepath. And Danny's been in ministry uh, for a number of years. And Danny showed me a lot of things. And he encouraged me in a lot of ways. And he encouraged me in ministry. When I, when I came to him and told him in the church that I felt like God was calling me into ministry, he was very supportive. Uh, he would visit me at, at college because he was also an alum of the school that I was going to. And it was just, it was so wonderful for him to, to take an active part uh, in, in my ministry. And I also knew that he kept up with me through a mutual friend of ours who was on staff at Charleston Southern when I was there, a guy by the name of Rick Brewer. Uh, and, and Dr. Brewer now is the president at Louisiana Christian University and just a dear old friend, um, amazing piano player, a great president for a, a school, um, and just really great to, to have that kind of person as, as just somebody who has, has been there for me. Uh, he was never my pastor per se of a church, but he was a spiritual mentor, and for that I'm grateful, and I appreciate him uh, so much. And then the first pastor that I had the pleasure of serving under in ministry is a guy by the name of Tim Head. And Tim was the pastor at Cooper River Baptist Church. Um, he allowed me to be a youth ministry intern. Uh, and if I recall correctly, I think they paid me the, the exorbitant uh, amount of $15 a week uh, for the privilege of being the uh, youth ministry intern at Dutch Fort, I mean, uh, Cooper River Baptist Church. But Pastor Tim, um, God called him out of uh, the legal field uh, to pastor, and then later on he planted a church. But it was always somebody that I could go to, just like Pastor Danny, I could go to and ask questions, ministry questions. As I was just getting started in ministry, I had things that I needed to understand, things I needed to know, and I could always go to one of them for uh, advice, wise counsel. Uh, Pastor Tim is an amazing expositor of God's Word. Um, I learned a lot from him during that time, and, and a bunch of other great um, staff folks along the lines as well. And then the first pastor that I served under in a part-time capacity, a, a real ministry job, if you will, as if the interns wasn't a real ministry, but it was, is Zane Brown. Um, Dr. Zane Brown was, was my pastor at Friendship Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina, and just great guy. Um, learned a lot from him in a very short period of time. Um, and he went on to become a, a director of missions in the Colleton Baptist Association. And later on in life, I was called to Walterboro, which is in uh, the, the Colleton Baptist Association in South Carolina. And so he was my DOM for a season as well. But Zane was one of those guys that had no problem praying with me, had no problem encouraging me, uh, showed me how to visit people in the hospital and, and uh, how to be empathetic and um, how to work on sermons and, and a bunch of different things. He was very, very encouraging in that way. And when he became a director of missions, he gifted me part of his library, and, and I'll never forget that. Uh, truly did appreciate that. And then the last guy that I want to mention, not because there aren't many, many more, because there are, but uh, I'll get into the point where uh, I'll just be mentioning so many people. Um, but this is one more in my early form formative years of ministry, and uh, that is David McLaurin, uh, David Anderson. David Anderson. Uh, 
and David Anderson was a student at Southeastern Seminary at the same time I was. He's actually from Douglas, Georgia, which I thought was so very far away from Southeastern Seminary, and I guess in a way it kind of is. But David got called into ministry later in life, and he served well, even in the midst of struggles and trials and school and everything else, he served well. And that was the encouragement he gave me, is that even while in school, um, I could still serve the Lord in a local church setting, and that was a, a real blessing to me. So I'm, I'm grateful to, to David Anderson. David and I stayed friends for a number of years uh, still, and he went on to pastor a church in the Colleton Baptist Association as well. Um, and so got to reconnect with him there along with uh, his two sons, uh, Blake and Lance, and uh, what great young men they are. And I, if I recall correctly, uh, even now, uh, Blake is the, the pastor of the church that David was serving at the time. So just great ministry family, great to be able to pass that along. And, and, and there are many others, um, uh, Dr. Maurice McCarthy I, uh, worked with um, in, in Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, Dr. Ray Barnhill uh, I got to work with in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, and, and so many others, colleagues, uh, pastor friends, um, people that just were dear encouragement for me. Uh, and even now, today, that hasn't stopped. I, I want you to understand this, that I have a group of pastors within my association who are a tremendous encouragement to me, and I pray that I'm half as encouraging to them as they are to me, because they they mean the world to me, and I'm just so grateful that the Lord is using them uh, for His honor and for His glory. And so I want to say thank you, Pastor. Uh, even if you've never been my pastor, even if I've never had the privilege of serving directly beside you in ministry, I still want to thank you. I want to thank you for serving the Lord Jesus. And I hope that this month you felt appreciated, even if it was just what you heard today. And I hope that, um, like me, you crave to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, when you cross the finish line. I thank you. I thank you for serving, and I pray you'll continue to serve well, our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you have a blessed day. Hey, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Wunch Time.